microphone on. Good morning. My name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really glad you decided to join us uh, on one of our favorite Sundays of the year. Uh, this is Baptism Sunday. Now, I got a question for you uh, before we jump into the baptisms. Let's talk to you just for a couple minutes about it. Uh, how many of you would like, we're still at the beginning of January, resolutions, all of that. How many of you would like for this to be the most transformational year of your life? That is not a rhetorical question because some of you are like, I don't think you're serious. I'm really serious. How many of you would like this? to Just raise your hand. Okay. Here's what I know about human nature. Many of us live the same year over and over. In fact, many of us live the same decade over and over. We just repeat the year. And then we get to the end of a decade and we say, I'm not any different. Nothing's changed. If you were going to live a transformational life and make some kind of change in your life in 2018, I, I can tell you how to do that. Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, l- let me give you one way that this will transform your 2018. You, in your circle of relationships, a friend, family, someone you work with, if you shared in an honest authentic way your faith with them, help them begin to follow Jesus, and you spent 2018 helping them learn how to think, act, and live like a Christian, you would have a transformational 2018. The reason you'd have a, 20, a, a transformational 2018 is because in order to help someone else learn to live, think, and act like a Christian, guess what you'd have to do? You'd have to grow. Like you couldn't rely on some other religious professional to provide all of the goods and services that you think are supposed to happen in someone's life. It'd be on you. And in the process of you growing and helping someone else grow, it would be the most transformational year of your life. I would love it, nothing more than in the summer when we do baptism again, for you to get in the pool. There's going to be a dad that's going to get in the pool and help baptize his daughter, his, his real daughter and his spiritual daughter. I would love nothing more than to get in the pool with you at the next baptism and there's that person that you've shared your faith with and that you love and is your friend and you care about and I'll let you do it. I'll just be there to help and you can baptize them. Man, I'd love that. What a powerful moment that would be in your life and in their life. Uh, We always read a passage of scripture together and I want to invite you to stand with me if you would. I'm going to read this. This is from a scene from the life of Jesus and uh, this will just kind of introduce us to the, the subject of baptism. I'll read it aloud. It'll be on the screen, and you can follow along as I read aloud. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And that day, you would lay on your side with your feet to the back, and you would eat at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. So he tells him this parable. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii. Denarii was a day's wages. So that's basically two years' wages. My math's off a little bit, math majors. 
neither, uh, one of him owed um, 500 denarii and the other 50, so 50 days wages, about two months. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And you have judged correctly, Jesus said. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. On that path to a transformational 2018, one of the things I would recommend to you is if you wanted to have some change brought into your life, some positive change brought into your life, you could do one thing. And it would take you all of 2018 to learn how to do this because it's challenging for many of us. And and it's this, is that you would learn to feel what other people around you are feeling. In other words, you would put yourself in their shoes. And you would ask questions like, what's life like for them? Someone that drives you nuts, someone that you live with, someone that you work with, uh, you might ask questions of them like, well, what, are, what is it that they're facing that I don't know about that causes them to respond this way? Where is the hurt in their life? Where's the pain points in their life that are maybe driving this behavior that's behind the thing that I don't like? Where, where are those things? This occurred to me somewhere in the last week or so that if we simply judged people on the basis of what they had to overcome, we'd be a lot more patient with each other, right? Don't you want people to judge you on the basis of what you've had to overcome? Because you know, you know. And if someone else could just put themselves in your shoes and feel what you feel, they might understand and they might be more patient. Now, maybe you don't want uh, to change your life. If you're in the the class of people who don't want to change their life, I'll just tell you right now what the people in your orbit don't want to tell you. They don't want to be around you because you're not nice. Right? So there you go. Free piece of information for 2018. But when you do, when you start to put yourself in other people's shoes and say, I'm going to learn to feel what they feel, what you quickly find out is that everybody has wounds. Some of us have very physical wounds. You can see a scar or there's a limp. But the kind of wounds that I'm talking about are the kind of wounds that are on the inside that you can't see. They're the scars of the heart. And the scars of the heart come from the things that have both been done to us and the choices that we've made. Now, I've found something out about my own wounds, and I've found something out as a pastor about the wounds of other people, as I've observed other people, is that often it's your wounds that make you want a new start in life. Isn't this true? That it's your pains that make you long for healing? It's your hurts that make you want comfort? It's the dirt that piles up that finally makes you say, I would just love to be clean. And if we learn to listen to our hurts, what they can do, what the power they have to do in our life is to lead us to God. Now, what many of us do is we, we don't do that. We think our hurts drive us away from God and our wounds uh, make us unacceptable to God. And we couldn't go into a church building or the roof would cave in on top of us. And so we go find ways to numb ourselves from our pain. Because we don't want to feel it. But if, if we were to listen to our hurts, they would actually lead us to God. Now, this is actually what's going on in this passage in, in Luke chapter 7, in this interchange with this woman that, an, in, in an odd kind of way, anoints Jesus' feet with this, this bottle of perfume. Luke says that it was an alabaster of perfume. Uh, if you don't know the background of that, an alabaster in, in itself is this, a kind of stone, and it's this jar that was in that day was a very expensive thing. And inside of that alabaster perfume was what was known as nard or spike nard. And it's a very rare 
a flower that grows on the slopes of the Himalayas in northern India. And so you can imagine even today, I think you can, you can get that as an essential oil for those of you that want to run to Walmart after the service and pick up some spikenard. Uh, maybe it's a little harder than that. I don't know. I'm not an essential oil guy. But you can imagine 2,000 years ago how hard it would be to get the essential oil from this plant and turn it into this, this, this little container of perfume. And it was worth uh, an entire year's wages. And so you might wonder, well, how did this woman come by this? Well, it was a typical thing that a father would give that he, he, to his daughter as a dowry so she could get married. And what she would do on her wedding night, taking this gift of generosity from her father, is she would pass that on to her husband, and it was a promise to her husband and a, a promise of purity. And on their wedding night, she would take that alabaster of perfume, and she would open it, and that scent would come out. So, that, so much so that you know how some scents drive memory, and you, you smell something, and it takes you back to when you were eight? That every, every man, when, when that woman at Jesus' feet opened that jar of alabaster perfume, they would have looked around, and they would have gone, what, who has... Luke says that this woman lived a sinful life, which is Bible code for she was a prostitute. This is what it makes me wonder. What girl chooses that? What little girl grows up and says, you know, when I grow up, I'd like to sell myself. And you only get in that position unless, the, the only way you get in that position is if things have happened to you that you Wished had never happened. I mean, massive wounds have happened in your life if you get into that position. And so here's this woman who's a prostitute anointing Jesus' feet with this oil. Here's what her pain, here's what her hurt, here's what her wound did. It drove her not away from God. It drove her to God. Listen, maybe you maybe you, you don't get this, but what God can do with a hooker who will say, I just need you, is way more than he can do with a religious person who says, you know what, I don't really have any needs. I'm pretty good on my own. Thank you very much. And so this, this religious guy, we're going to do a series later in the spring about after Easter called Toxic Religion. We're going to bring it back from a few years ago because religion's often toxic for people. Pushes them away from God. But he was in that category and he had in his mind, like this, well, if Jesus knew this kind of person, you know, religi- good religious people don't associate with people like that. If he knew, he wouldn't do this. And, and Jesus knows the thought in his mind, and the, the guy doesn't know that Jesus is getting ready to throat punch him. <laughs> and, and he says to the guy, listen, someone had a debt of two months' wages they couldn't pay, and someone else had a debt of two years' months of wages they couldn't pay. Who, who do you suppose, and they both are forgiven, who do you suppose had more love and gratefulness in their heart? Now, I, I don't know about you. I, I probably could muster together from family and network of friends two months wages worth of a debt. I, I probably could. I, don't, I hope I could. I'm pretty sure I couldn't two years. I don't know enough people. I don't have enough favors. And Simon, I think begrudgingly says, because uh, he's religious, I guess the one, the one who's been forgiven the larger debt. Here's what Jesus was pl- uh, implying. She understands the debt she's been forgiven. And that's what's driving her to me. And that's why she broke. She finally found someone who would welcome her 
Because you know why she was holding on to that alabaster jar of perfume? Here she is. She's a prostitute, and she's got a year's worth of wages. Why wouldn't she sell that? Why wouldn't she just, at least I could get, put her, take her off the streets for a year. Why? I think because she's holding out hope that maybe some guy will come along and think she's worth something. Now, how in the world does God do something like that in a person's life? How does he make this kind of change in someone's life? Well, you'd have to go back to the beginning of the Gospels and the Gospel of John. And uh, John um, said this when he saw Jesus coming. He said, listen, um, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, that sounds like a very churchy phrase. That sounds like a very religious phrase. And if you've been around religion, you've heard that phrase. And it sounds all glorious. Uh, But in that day, people knew that meant something. That meant something very specific. It meant the Old Testament sacrificial system that the Jewish people were a part of to to, uh, get rid of their sin. And they would have known immediately when John said that, that there are three times in, in in the Old Testament that you would offer a sacrifice of a lamb. One was the the regular sacrifice that would be made on behalf of the priest who would stand in between the people and God, and it would make a sacrifice for the sins of the priest. So there there could be a go-between between the people because the people needed a leader. Have you ever felt the need to have someone go between you and God? Like, yeah, I can't approach God, but if someone else would go between, that's Jesus. Not me, not a priest, not a pastor, not a religious leader. I'm not the go-between. You can go straight to God through Jesus. And now he's your priest. The second time that a lamb would be offered would be on the the Passover feast with the Paschal lamb. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. And this was a celebration of the Jews being set free from Egypt and being taken out of bondage when they would take the, the blood of a lamb and put it on their doorpost so that the angel of death would pass over them. And it was a symbol that someone else's sin, you're no longer accountable for someone else's sin. You're not held accountable for some, what someone else has done. You're only held accountable for what you've done. And there's someone who now protects you. Have you ever needed someone to protect you? And then there was a third time, and it was the Day of Atonement, what we know as Yom Kippur today. Uh, the, the Jewish feast of the, the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement in, in the Old Testament, what would happen is two, uh, two goats would be uh, taken. One would be killed as a sin offering. And, and you, you know what this is like, right? When you were a kid, uh, I did this. I broke the lamp playing with my friends in the living room when my mom said, don't throw the ball in the living room, and I broke the lamp. Somebody had to pay for that wrongdoing. And, and what this symbolizes is that God pays for our wrongdoing. But there would be another, another goat, and what they would do, the priest would do is he would come and he would pronounce over the goat all of the sins of the people. And that scapegoat would be taken out into the wilderness and released out in the wilderness as a symbol that your sins have now been removed from you. And you no longer have to pay for them. You need a savior. You need a leader You need a protector. So could we talk about you for just a second? What's life like for you? What are you facing? Where do you hurt? What have you had to overcome? What if those things in your life, instead of you having to find a place where you could numb yourself, those could drive you to God? And for your pain, you could find healing? And for your hurt, you could find comfort. And for the dirt that is built up, you could finally feel clean. Now, a bunch of people are going to go in that water, 
And that's what they're doing. That's, it's, the, it's the symbol, right? It's not something that makes you right with God. Martin Luther called baptism the wedding ring of faith. I, when I got married to my wife, it was the promises we made that made us one. The ring's just a sign, right? It's just a symbol of what happened. It doesn't make me right with God. It's the wedding ring of faith. And there'll be people going in this water because they, they're like, listen, I've had enough of the pain. I'm ready for a different start. And this is the starting line, not the finish line. So there's a card on your seat when you came in that says new. And if you wanted to be a part of what the people being baptized today, and you're like, listen, I'd love a new start. You can take that card. You can just real briefly jot down on that card, you know, this is what I want in my life. I, if that woman, the, the, that prostitute were here today and she were writing on that card, I don't know exactly what she'd write, but she'd probably write, before I met Jesus, I was alone and I was rejected. I wondered if anyone would ever love me again. And then how I met Jesus is I found out there was someone that welcomed. And we're in this series called Me Too. We're going to continue for a couple more weeks after this, talking about that whole phenomenon. But in that day, that was not a literal hashtag, but it was certainly a, a, a hashtag that hum, hung over someone's head. And it was a, a hashtag of shame, Me Too. Someone, someone found out that I was valuable. And then she would say, well, why do I want to be baptized? Well, I, didn't ha- I realized I didn't have to hold out false hope anymore. And I found someone who saw my value. And I didn't have to hold on anymore to that one thing I thought would bring me life. So I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to come. We're going to sing a song. And if during that, you, you are so moved, um, you would like to begin that journey today, we'd love to help you take some steps along the way. Um, we're, not a, we're not a perfect church, but we'll do our best to help you. And I'm going to pray for us. And if you would like to do that during this song, people are going to stand and, and, um, in just a moment. And you can, you can make a move over here. And we've got a shirt for you and a towel. And you'll go home wet, but God made it 40 degrees so you won't freeze. You're welcome. Yeah? Yep. Let's pray, okay? God, thank you for my friends who are here today. Some of them came in uh, bearing a huge burden, carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. full of pain, full of hurt, full of dirt. Thank you that you're the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So now we can have someone lead us. We can have someone protect us. We've got somebody that can save us. Thank you. So we celebrate today, God, with these folks who are starting over. They're starting new. It's it's the starting line. It's the beginning gate. It's the, the step forward with you as their leader, protector, and savior. And so I pray for my friend who's sitting here and they're saying, man, I'd like that. Give them the courage and the grace to get up from their seat and take this step today. I pray this in your name. And everybody who wanted it said,